Good morning to all our listeners, which is uh, another version of our true business stories happening today. And we've got a really interesting uh, guest, um, which Bill will introduce in a minute. And uh, keeping with, I suppose, our international flavour that's crept in occasionally, uh, Keith, our guest, uh, comes from Canada, but we'll more about that. So, Bill, tell us about our guest. Yes, good morning, Mark, and thank you. And good morning, Keith. How are you? Uh, Good morning to you both. I'm fine today. Good. So today we are going to talk to Keith Christensen. I've known Keith, oh, I'd hate to think for how long I've known you, Keith, but it's, it is a long time and we've been really, I guess, good personal friends um, and I first came across you when you owned a travel company in Melbourne. Uh, and these days, Keith, I consider that you to be the, the expert in developing and implementing travel incentives for companies. And I know that you've done some remarkable, um, I guess, conventions and for a number of large companies, or I guess large and small. So I thought it would be good for our listeners today just to hear about some of your opinions on why travel incentives are good for business. So, Keith, where did life begin for you? In that? Was, were you born in Canada? Yes, I was born in um in uh, Toronto in uh, 1949. Excellent um, city. Yeah, <laughs> great city. But if you've probably um, seen the, the news forecast for the last couple of days, uh, lots of snow. <laughs> yes, very cold. <laughs> and uh, and did you schooling start in, in Toronto? Where did you? What did? What was your first early uh, schooling? And did you go to university? Um, I went. I finished. Um, uh, high school in grade 13 um, in in Canada in uh, 1968 and um, uh, I with the difference in school years I worked for um, six months and then I came to university um, here in Melbourne my brother uh, had married an Australian girl and was living in in Melbourne and um, my mother thought it was a good idea for me to get under some uh, uh, some male influence because my father had died when I was very young so um, off I came to um, to Australia, and I've stayed ever since. Wow. And uh, what did you do at uni? What was your degree? Um, I did uh, commerce, but I never actually finished it because uh, I ran out of money, as it were, and, and uh, being a foreign student, we had to pay our way. And um, so uh, I started um, working. I did two years of uni and with the intention of going back, but ne- uh, never actually did. Never, I uh, yeah. started out um, uh, working for a tennis company um, selling tennis rackets around uh, around Australia and wow. uh, then went into the travel industry after uh, three, three or four years because I wanted to get free flights home. <laughs> <laughs> and w- what was the first company in travel that you, you worked for? So I worked for a, um, a travel wholesaler in, in, in Sydney. It was called Cavalier Tours and they, um, they um, represented companies uh, from overseas. Uh, it was when Qantas first started um, the 747s to uh, to Europe, and they were doing um, little stopover packages. Yep. And so we started doing that, and I started um, selling those to travel agencies throughout Australia, and then actually going and doing some contracting with uh, work for the for the people that we represented. And then um, uh, incentives weren't really available in Australia at that time, um, but they were in America. Uh, mainly in what they called pots and pans, so uh, merchandise. But Pan American um, was big at that time, and and um, at um, with their assistance, I flew over to um, to New York 
to their head office and I stayed uh, with them for about uh, two months learning all about uh, incentives. I went went to um, some of the big incentive houses throughout uh, America um, and uh, really learned about how incentives operate and what they went and then came back to um, to Australia and uh, with the company Cavalier Tours, we set up an incentive house. Well, Keith, I think I met first met you uh, working, you had your own company at one stage, didn't you, called, was it Travel Associates? Was that the name of? Conference Associates. Oh, Conference yeah. Associates. Travel Associates I, was I, the I previous one. I when I was working with uh, Venture Holidays. And oh, I was, Venture uh, Holidays, I yes, I remember right. that. And uh, I, um, I was running the incentive programs for, for incentive, for um, uh, Venture Holidays, and then we set up our own company and, and started doing it from there. Now, just going back to Pan Am, you mentioned Pan Am. Uh, I've done some flights with you on Pan Am 747s in those days and yes. I, I recall a trip to Hawaii where I don't think we ever sat in our seat. We just stood at the bar down the back of the plane all the well, way. In those, in those days they had the um, what was called the dining room in the sky as well and, and they had the in the dome they set up um, uh, an actual restaurant, if you recall. We used, used to be able to go and uh, have dinner up there. That's right. It's... Uh, and I would hate to – have you ever logged how many trips you've done? Because you're probably the most travelled person I've ever met. Uh, no, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. It's when, you, when it comes to looking at places like Hawaii or Bali or, or even Europe, it's in, you know, it's in more than 50 of each, I guess. All right. and, and just going back to the personal side, you mentioned uh, selling tennis rackets, I, I think I heard you just say, but – I know these days you've swapped them for you've swapped tennis rackets for golf sticks, and I know you're a keen golfer. And, uh, that's right. And you and I have had a running battle for years playing for our. In fact, you probably still have the cup. I think you beat me more times than I beat you. Uh, <laughs> and another interesting thing, Mark, which I'll tell you uh, uh, just about Keith, just to give you an idea of uh, of what he's been up to, is that. Uh, Keith is a member of Eastern Suburbs Hash House Harriers and they run every Monday night uh, around the suburbs of, uh, or the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Now, Keith, how many runs has Hash done and how many runs have you completed over those years? Uh, I think we're up to uh, about 2,800 runs and I've done uh, well over 1,000 of them. <laughs> so, Mark, there's 2,800 Monday nights. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right? And, That's fantastic. And they... They always finish with a with, with a beer. So, Keith, um, so your current business. Tell us a bit about it. What what does it do? What uh, who are your customers? Okay, I'm I'm retired now. Um, but over the over the past, um, we used to do large corporations. Mobile Oil was probably one that comes to mind the most because uh, we did them for many many years, doing incentive programs and conferences. The largest of which was. Um, about 1,500 in Los Angeles, where we had um, uh, President Reagan as a main speaker, and we did some amazing uh, activities at the Spruce Goose and and um, all over the place. It was uh, quite. That's probably the biggest I've done. Um, I've uh, for um, for Mitre 10, we did um, over a uh, thousand in in uh, Shanghai and and uh, 400 in um, Beijing with um, dinner and fireworks on the Great Wall. Um, doing incentive programs is, is a real privilege because you get to spend other people's money to make people happy. And, um, I mean, you can't do any worse than, than that. It's great. It's the best job in the entire world. 
So, Keith, uh, just talking about incentives and everybody's now in today's environment, we, we keep hearing about the lack of available staff, etc. And one of the big issues in for any business is the retention of staff. So what are your thoughts on using travel incentives as one of the tools that business owners or businesses can use to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, improve the retention of staff? Oh, it's, it's probably one of the best things you can possibly do because an incentive program is is a, a specialised travel program that they say money can't buy, but of course you can buy it because you're spending it. But you're giving experiences that are, that are just amazing that they just couldn't go to the local travel agent and buy. And once people get on, the, on an incentive trip, they just want to continue to go and go with their friends. I remember many years ago, um, we did a, a, an incentive for um, a Nissan to Fiji. And um, I was sitting there with some of the ladies and they were saying, you know, complaining about their husbands working so hard and and um, having to do so much work and, and not being home for dinner and doing things. And they said, oh, yeah, not like such and such who um, he gets home all the time and he's wonderful. And they say, well, where is he? Oh, oh, he didn't make the incentive this year. He didn't make his targets. And then just the light dawned in all these women's eyes. and It was quite an amazing moment. That's very good. So, you you will have seen in uh, in your over your career um, airlines come and go, um, Pan Am being one. What what's uh, what's some of your favourite airlines? What sort of airlines do have you got strong strong affiliation for? Look, um, because I used to travel so much, um, you know, it was just part of my life. Uh, Pan Am was always one of the one of the best. I always reckon it was a shame when when they when they left. Um, I travel a lot with Qantas because I have platinum status there, and, and that's that's very good. But I, I personally, um, Emirates is one of my favourites because, um, particularly on on the the um, their large aircraft, the A380, they've got that wonderful little um, uh, bar at the back, and and that's a terrific. That's probably the best airline. To travel on the best aircraft to travel on is the A380. And and um, travel tips for people. How, how do you travel? Do you travel light? Do you do carry on? Do you do you in these days worry about check baggage? What what's? Well, um, when I was traveling for business, I used to never travel light because I used to have to do so many things. Yeah. When I was um, going to conferences and, and running programs, I might have up to a hundred kilos of, of luggage. So. Wow. Um, <laughs> I sort of got used to it. Um, I guess my uh, nowadays um, uh, we bought those little um, little little uh, Apple uh, um, tags to put in our bags. Yep. And I think that that's a good idea. Um, but my my one um, piece of advice for anybody is uh, never wear your socks into the men's room. <laughs> In fact, I, I read about it. it just, I'll go back, Keith, I'll go back to Pan Am again. Um, one of my claims to fame was that uh, I was a life member of Pan Am Clipper Club. Uh, and a lot of use that's done me now that they've disappeared, <laughs> off, disappeared off the earth. Um, yeah, conve- convention venues, Keith. Uh, and I know you've been to convention venues in all sorts of countries around the world. Do you want to nominate a couple of the top venues you've been to? Um, look, I, I've been to most of them, I guess. The, the, big, the biggest ones are in Europe and in, in Germany, the messes and things, and they're quite enormous. I mean, you, you talk about um, 
um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people for for exhibitions and and uh, and what have you. But um, I I prefer when we do things we like. I prefer to do them for the smaller groups of one or two hundred people and 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 use some of the, the bigger hotels or more boutique areas that you can you can do um, because they're a bit more fun and and a bit more flexible. Some of those um, larger convention centers are, are so inflexible with what they want to do and. Uh, for an incentive program or for what we do, because we used to run in conventions like an incentive, we like to do things a bit differently. And um, a lot of the larger um, venues are, are government regulated or run like governments and, and they just don't have flexibility. I recall, Keith, that uh, on a couple of occasions you've had to take your own your own wine with you out, out of Australia to ensure that you uh, were able to look after your clients properly. Uh, absolutely, and we, we we used to do. It. I mean, it's it's all it's a lot harder nowadays. But um, certainly, to places like Bali or Hong Kong, um, and even to Hawaii, where the where the prices of wines were incredibly expensive for the quality that you get, um, we used to go and we used to pay for um, uh, for corkage and um, make sure that they had a good quality, and people appreciate that. Uh- it, it's uh, it's interesting listening to uh, your conventions, and I, I uh, in my past life attended the uh, Canton Fair a number of times. Um, that's enormous. That's just hall after hall. And I remember walking into one hall, and it was all grand pianos, uh, and then the next one was all drum kits. Um, I think it would take days to wander your way through. So I, I get if you've got such a big place like that, it becomes very impersonal. It's very hard to get around and and chat to people and meet people so understand your understanding of smaller smaller venues yeah. you're, you're aware one of, the, one, of the, one of the things we used to do is and we used to do a lot of study tours where you, where you take groups of um, particularly uh, retailers over to these large um, uh, international uh, marketplaces as it were maybe 100 150 people and then we would take over our own little area and be and and, and run our own little events within the, within these Big events and um, invite some of the local people to come and, and be with us, and, and that was a very very good way of doing things. So we do that, and then attend, and then go and look at some of the local areas and that um, that were pertinent to the comp, to the people that we were dealing with. Yeah, the the uh, Westfield used to do a regular retail tour. Did it, were you involved in those those ones? Uh, no, but I'm aware of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't hear of many these days. I I think COVID sort of killed that business for a while, and maybe it's starting well, to resurrect. Well, it has it has for the last couple of years, but they're coming back again. And, and you'll find that um, nowadays uh, they try to keep them a little bit um, under the newsworthy eye because uh, people don't like it. I mean, the, the banks have been involved in doing those things quite lavishly for a while. We never were involved with the banks, but they they uh, got in the news from on the on the wrong side of it because of all the huge money they were spending on them. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I um, remember many years ago in my uh, my MD at Target where I worked was adamant that we had to travel and he sent us to shows and trade shows all over the world because he said if you don't travel and you don't see, you're not going to learn. Um, and I, I can remember talking to peers in other retail businesses that didn't travel because they saw it as an expense. So it's interesting. All right, Keith, just changing from talking about airlines and that, what about cruise ships? And I know that uh, you have done a number of cruises. Uh, is the, is, are cruise ships an option for incentive travel? 
they are. Um, and there's a couple of ways of doing it. One is that you can charter the entire vessel, which which is ideal. But um, you know, numbers are, are tough, and not everybody likes them. Or you can take a uh, a portion of it. You might take um, you know. 20, 30, 40% of the ship. Um, it's not been as widely accepted as I think it should have been because um, I, I think that the cruising offers the um, best value for money you can find. It's got absolutely everything on it. And in the in the first instance, they didn't offer flexibility, but they've come around and, and now do give you flexibility. One thing they they have to watch out as the other passengers. If you're not taking the entire ship, they've got to watch out for the rest of the passengers on the ship because if you've got one third and you're dominating everything, it can make it a bit uncomfortable for some of the other people. So, Keith, what what are you doing now? So, you say you've retired. Did you sell your business, or have you? Is someone running it for you? What's what's? Um, I I sold out of the business uh, oh, about 15 years ago and uh, continued on as an employee. Um, and I retired in uh, in uh, 2016, really. But I continued to work as a as a bit of a, an outside contractor. Um, in fact, for one company uh, I've been dealing with for uh, 23 years, and I'm still doing some stuff for them just up to um, up to this year. So you're still uh, still doing consulting, etc. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit of mentoring, and and um, and just helping out if they if they need a uh, a bit of ideas of what's going on and and do you see um from from your experience do you see the tra- travel industry starting to come back now do you think you know we've we've heard lots of stories about Qantas and and uh, Virgin and Jetstar all losing bags and cancelled flights and uh, is from your experience and connections do you see that improving um it's going to have to it's going to have to because um it's just unacceptable what's happening at the moment um i mean if look, it's the old story you get what you pay for, and, and low cost airlines like like Jetstar are, are very. We wouldn't use one of those for an incentive program because they're just not quality enough. Yeah, um, and having but, a uh, number of planes. If a plane's cancelled, there's not necessarily a spare plane, is there? No, no, there's not. There's not, and um, so you really have to watch that. Certainly, with incentive travel um, during uh, COVID, it, it just went went to God, really. The incentive company that I was working for, I was doing um, mostly travel, but it also did other um, things such as pots and pans and, and credit cards and such. So they were able to survive quite well. But but a lot of the smaller ones um, just went by the wayside. Keith, just on uh, another question about Australia, uh, what would you say would be the best place in Australia that you've held a or taken a group to a convention or to a incentive program well the Gold, the Gold Coast is traditionally out of out of Victoria have been a big one because um, particularly in the in the winter months um, we did one uh, as I said for this company that I've been dealing with for a long time to Darwin um, this year and Darwin is fantastic Darwin is a great incentive destination lots to do lots to um uh to see and uh as long as you go in the in the good weather it's a fantastic spot um you know the gold coast of far north queensland up up to um port douglas uh, um cans is good we've done a lot up there um yeah those are the main ones 
Um, as you may or may not be aware, Keith, down in our little neck of the woods, Geelong's in the process of building a convention centre. Um, a thousand seat planetarium is the is the size. Um, if you were at the ground floor of designing a convention centre, what are the the three things that you think are really important for for people visiting? Um, Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> no, no, the people that you employ are the most important things, um, and you've got to be flexible. Um, I think uh, audiovisual is always a real key component. The trouble is, you can never really keep it um, up to date for more than you know six or seven months because it just changes all the time. So the convention centers that try to put their own stuff in is, is it never seems to work. So you want to be able to make sure that um, you can allow outside people in. A lot of the convention centers try to run it all themselves and, and make extra profits, but they really stuff it up. And you need ease of access for moving things in and out, such as um, um, trade exhibitions or cars and trucks and all that sort of stuff. That's important. And then, of course, the food and beverage offering um, is absolutely critical. Actually, that's that's really good because I'm, I'm involved with the uh, the Geelong Convention Centre and they're, they're exactly some of the topics we've been talking about and that the technology is is vital to having that being able to link up around the world these days because not everyone wants to travel but wants to participate in conferences um, mm. and there's been a lot of discussion about the technology and how that gets handled so yeah that's that's very interesting good advice um, well if you if, if you want me to help you mark just give us a bell and i'll um, i'm happy to come down and have a chat or something I've, I've got my notes <laughs> uh mark another aspect to touch on 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 the personal side now is that um some year, or oh, not that many years ago, um, Keith and I took up Masters Triathlons. And as you recall, Keith, I think we got in a bit of trouble because we were never home. We were running every morning or every second morning. We were swimming in a swim master swim squad the other times and then on the weekends we'd take off on our bikes for the long rides. Um, I guess what are you doing these days to keep the fitness level up? <laughs> Well, I certainly remember those days because we used to get up Bill at, at uh, like 5.30 in the morning and go for our swims. And, and uh, my wife thought it was a good idea to start with, but by the time 5 o'clock came in the afternoon, I'd be falling asleep in my suit. So that was tough. These days, of course, as you know, Bill, I had a, a back operation on um, uh, just before Christmas. So I haven't been able to do as much as I like, but I walk a lot now. I, 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 um, I play golf a couple of times a week and I, when I'm not, I make sure that I um, I walk six to eight k's a day, and that's um, the doctor said that's the the best thing you can do to uh, get your back together. As you know, I played rugby up until 55, so my back was a bit of a mess. And uh, my doctor said if I was a horse, they would have shot me. <laughs> that's I forgot about that, Keith. Your uh, your passion for rugby, and I think you suffered a few injuries, didn't you, playing for the Golden Oldies? <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. I think I've broken most of my bones, and when I when I check into the hospital and they they said, well, what have you had done before? I just said I played rugby. Everything's gone. <laughs> so so thank you, Keith. That's uh, being a, a fascinating discussion. I've got to, to know a little bit more about you and uh, and very insightful, your comments on, uh, on travel and the convention world. And uh, appreciate you joining Bill and I today. Yeah, thank you, Keith. As I said in the intro, I don't think anybody knows 
uh, more than you would ever know on um, incentive travel. And I think, you've, as I said before, you, you've flown more miles than most people I know. And one last thank, thank you for Keith, Mark, is that Keith arranged for me to go on the Concorde from <laughs> New York to London one day. And it's an experience I'll never forget because I got to sit in the cockpit. Wow. Because the captain of the plane was a POM, the tests were on, and he found out I was an Aussie and he said, come up here and sit with me, I want to talk about cricket. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Keith. It's been great talking to you. Uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks, guys, and good luck with the podcast. I've been listening to them and they're very good. Good. Thank you. Thank you.